As far back as I can remember, the film genre of the American gangster has always held a special place in the hearts of film critics, the general audience, and people who plainly want more. Did you ever wonder why the gangster films are always such a popular and appealing genre? Let's take a look and see why. I'm Frank Johnson, and I'm here to talk about the protagonist's character arcs throughout the course of the movie, as well as general movie history. In short, this can be traced down to the protagonist's journey throughout the movie, how they were influenced, and the change of cinematography over time. Last summer, I worked as an intern for a local film producer named Eric Corneliuson, who is working towards a higher role in the film industry. In this podcast, he will be joining us as our guest speaker and give his input on a few of these movies. Now before we go any further, I would like to point out that there are different kinds of crime movies. There are noir, gangster, heist, and cop movies all in the crime genre, but we'll be focusing mainly on just gangster movies because they seem to have the most noticeable similarities in their characters. I got this from an article titled, Why We Love Gangster Movies for a Hundred Years, from HistoryWeb.org. These movies have always held a cultural impact on their audience, and in preparation, I've watched the 1931 Public Enemy, one of the most important ones, the, one of the first important gangster movies, with sound. The original Scarface, from 1932, as well as the 1983 retelling, on the Waterfront, The Godfather Trilogy, Once Upon a Time in America, Goodfellas, A Bronx Tale, Road to Perdition, and The Irishman. These listed movies share prime examples of characters that all shared a common desire and arc development, and as well as two that did not. In all except for two of these movies, the main protagonist starts out as nothing, slowly rises in power until reaching the top, and before he knows it, he's become the bad guy. Whether he's good at heart, whether he's good or not, by his status he's turned rotten. Committing or organizing crimes like drug dealing, bootlegging, or sometimes even murder. For example, in the 1983 film Scarface, our protagonist Tony Montana escapes Cuba on a boat, arrives in Miami with nothing, and ultimately builds an empire over the following years. Ends up passing by the head of the mafia, becoming the biggest crime lord in Florida. Before sharing the conversation I had with Eric, I'd like to say that we'll be talking about The Godfather and Goodfellas. So to give a brief rundown... The Godfather follows a man named Michael Corleone, who is a veteran, a college graduate, and overall good man who practically gets shoved right into the life of crime and ends up as the Godfather, or Don, of the Cosa Nostra crime family. In Goodfellas, we follow the true story of a man named Henry Hill, who always looked up to gangsters with an unhealthy dose of admiration. He is practically taken under the wing of one of the gangsters, 
and is used to living in a life surrounded by organized crime. As he ages and rises through the ranks, he begins to understand the hazards in this form of life, when a person has to make a life-and-death decision, which are almost always fraught with blowback. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. With that hopefully cleared up, I've asked film producer Eric Corneliuson for his input on a few of these movies, and together we discuss the character arcs in The Godfather and Goodfellas. Hey, Eric. Glad you could join us for this. It's great having you on board. No, please. I insist. The pleasure's all mine. So I'll be asking you a few questions about some gangster movies. But first things first, how's quarantine been to you? Oh, dude, I can't stand it. I want to go back to work so badly, but to keep it short, I've had a lot of downtime. Lots of time to spend with the family? Yeah, you know it. Well, it's great to hear that you're all right. Yeah, how's it been with you? Lately, I've been as good as it'll allow me to be. Good, that's great. Either way... I'm doing a podcast on the characters in gangster movies and how they change throughout the course of the movie. Hey, that sounds awesome. I love gangster movies. Ones like Miller's Crossing or The Departed. I just think they're fascinating. Good. Because we're going to be talking about the main characters from The Godfather and Goodfellas. Great. Hey, what you got for me? First, let's talk about The Godfather. Would you say Michael's character changed at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah? How'd you say he changed? Well, you know, when we start out with him, he loves his family, and, you know, he's a devoted man. And he stays devoted, but he but he really changes by taking up the job that kills uh, uh, Solozo and McCluskey. And, uh, you know, he never he's never given a chance to face what he's done. And, you know, really, instead, he went off to Italy for five years and, and becomes even more ardent. And then when he was ready uh, to take on anything... But uh, by the end, he uh, hires a bunch of men to kill all the other uh, members of the uh, mafia. And, you know, he has no problem killing his brother-in-law. He even lies to his wife about it. He's truly changed sides, morally speaking. Wow. Couldn't have said any better myself. It's hard to put any simpler than that. But what about the true story of Henry Hill in the movie Goodfellas? Would you say he changed it all? Well, if there was any change, it must have been really early on. Before the movie starts, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we see that uh, he has an abusive family life, and the only other people he took seriously were the Mafia. He also admired them because they took him seriously, I guess. Yeah, I would agree, uh, because his mom was always a secondary to his negligent, uh, you know, abusive father. And I know this is weird for me to say this, but even his mailman, who was giving the letters from his school to his parent, who... Uh, Henry's parents, uh, he was an easy pushover, even a joke. This may or may not be valid, but what is valid is how Henry sees the adult figures in his life from, from his perspective. What's remarkable is that the true story didn't have as much of a dramatic change as the fictional, but I guess it's just cinematic drama. Yeah. Well, Eric, thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all. Uh, got any more questions? Just let me know. Gotcha. Thanks. Yeah, bye-bye. Yep, bye. As we talked about, characters go through a similar change in the movies, but as time went on, the art of filmmaking became more three-dimensional. 
This meant characters weren't as static and went through an arc. In, er in the early stages of the filming industry, fresh after the invention of, of sound recording in movies, there was the public enemy. The main character in this movie has always been cruel towards women, mentally corrupt, and obsessed with a life of crime. But in 1932, a game-changing masterpiece was brought to the screen, Scarface. The protagonist in this movie was a better look, but still a bit blurry in terms of change. We see him have an overprotective element when he sees his sister dancing with a man. We also get a look at his personal life and how things can be complicated, but it's still not enough, especially for how he turns out in the end, via getting shot in the back by the police as he cowardly tries to run away. Skip a few decades, and you get something like The Godfather. Now this trilogy's got everything. It shows a person living two lives, one in crime and another for his family. He later learns how harmful the life of crime lord is, and instead of only status gain and respect, come other aspects such as getting left by his wife, being betrayed by his brother, and becoming an emotionally broken man in the end. In the third installment to the trilogy, it shows that he's let his sister take the role as the dawn of the family. He decides to let himself sober up from the effects of the crime life. This feel that both the protagonist and the audience get is similar to the one in director Sergio Leone's gangster epic from 1984, Once Upon a Time in America. Living as a child in the slums of New York during the late 1910s and early 1920s, protagonist nicknamed Noodles is trying to start up a gang with his friends because he knows that no adult organization would ever take in a child, especially him. He takes on a small jobs, gets paid, but it's still not enough for him. He and his friends team up with someone that lets them advance in status big time, but Noodles is soon arrested for murder and is let out of prison ten years later. He sees how much bigger his gangster buddies have gotten and how extreme their new jobs are. Stealing diamonds and killing off the heads of bigger crime families? He knows that this is getting too far out of hand. So he decides to rat out on his friends before they end up getting killed by their occupational hazards. This was the most rounded a gangster character has ever been portrayed to date in cinema. Until the Irishman, at least. Noodles shows that people have a choice. That the only people who are truly into organized crime as much as his friends are, are psychopaths. Speaking of psychopaths, every character in Goodfellas was nothing short of that. Now, it was heavily toned down in the movie, but all, all of them were crazy. I read this in, a, in an article titled, The Real Life Goodfellas, Meet the Mobsters Behind the Movie, from AllThingsInteresting.com. In that movie, a side character played by Joe Pesci portrays a man named Tommy DeSimone. He acted crazy and almost always on his own interest. When he decides to give Henry Hill a little scare by asking him, Why am I funny? Or how he randomly shot a waiter who mildly sassed him. Truth be told, that's how all the members were in this family. As for Henry Hill in the movie, however... He is always portrayed as someone having a good time despite how many times he gets arrested, how many times he gets in trouble, and the more slip-ups he makes, the less he is trusted throughout the movie. He gradually is going down the line until he's stuck with the short end of the stick, and in the end, he knows that his friends don't care about him anymore, 
and they have got no trouble betraying him. A similar concept in the movie Road to Perdition, when professional bootlegger Mike Sullivan's son is caught as a witness to a shootout between cops and gangsters. One gangster, who always held an envious grudge against Mike Sullivan, now has an excuse to make him miserable by using the no-witnesses excuse and viciously plots a murder attack on Mike's family. As he and his son, Mike and his son, are forced to flee across Chicago for their life, Mike must come to terms with his, with his son and realize that blaming it all on him won't fix anything. So together, they rob a few banks to collect the money they need to, to find a better life. He bonds with his son more than he ever did before they had to leave. And Mike even teaches his son how to drive a car, tell when someone's following them, and other practical survival skills. This was the most of a father figure he had ever been for his kid. He shows that no matter how cold one side of a person can be, that they can at least follow an honor code. I think I've made my point about those movies sharing their similarities in characters being cold, but also humane, with an emotional range that is delicate. But the two movies that did, not, that did, that did something different are On the Waterfront and A Bronx Tale. What these two movies had that the others didn't were stories about a person that does not make it into the crime family. And the others, there is no ordeal. There is no story about it. They're just looking up to it, and next thing you know, they're in. However, in On the Waterfront, Marlon Brando plays Terry Malloy. Terry wants to make it into the crime family, but misses the opportunities or fails when rare chances are given. He wants to be one of the members because they live in luxury and he lives in cheap gutter. Even when they kill his brother, Terry is mad that they did it because he knows that he can never join. Instead, though, he, takes, he, he decides to take on the head himself. Even without being a member, he truly did have what it took to be one of them. And when they notice this, he is cheered on despite losing in the end. Another one about not making it in, but still a takeaway for the protagonist, is a Bronx tale. A boy named Colodro looks up to the Mafia with admiration. They are exciting and live much nicer lives than he does, especially when he compares them to his parents, and it's obvious who he favors. He really became one of them. He, ne he never really became one of them, because his father prevented him from spending too much time around them. He was allowed to spend time with his racist, delinquent friends, but frankly, I personally believe that it was because it was a healthier-paced way of figuring out he was nothing like them, thus leaving on his own terms. And when he doesn't, he is saved at the last minute and avoids getting blown up, and in the end, with both his friend group and his idol dead, he knows that the gangster's way of life is not for him. With all of this deduced from the movies above, we get quite a sense of the similarities. It's not, it, it, it is, it's easy to notice that they all want to live this way of life, that this is what they want. But what's unique about each protagonist up there is that each of them have their own bit of a humane side. Whether it's doing a hard thing, letting your dream go to preserve your personal moral values, or hurting someone a little so they won't get more pain later, they all show a code of some sort that keeps them intact.
in at least one form. They show, they show that good morals trump all, even their own job sometimes. As evil as someone like these men might be, they still, they still have a way to be good, even behind all their despicable actions. I believe these movies have a powerful impact on people. I mean, what they notice more, what the audiences notice more, is clearly the, the gore of it, or the language, or the violence, anything like that. Or maybe even the storyline, if they look into it deep enough. But if you look even deeper, you can find the beauty and the morality of it all, the poetry. And that's why I think these movies have a lot to offer. And with all these protagonists having their humane side, you combine them and you get the perfect person, believe it or not. A person who's willing to make sacrifice. A person willing to admit when they're wrong. A person willing to stand up for his family and for his rights. In the end of the day, that's all you really need. What you don't need is their despicable actions, though. They should go to confession for that. But either way, yeah, this was the this was the podcast for gangster movie characters and their similarities. Next time, join me for westerns. What makes them so enjoyable, even though they're so similar? Catch you later.